Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome to a special edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I mean, you guys are getting really treated now. Not only are we dishing you out some exclusive Patreon content, we're still giving you your On The Whistle podcast, but we're coming right now with a special episode because I am joined by two legends of their respective games. I'm going to start by introducing first Terry Alderton. Genuinely one of the funniest men in the UK. He's a comedian, an actor, a presenter and former goalkeeper, I found out. Um, Terry started his career as a goalkeeper for Southend United before heading on to a successful career in comedy, only to later return to Southend as a keeper due to his impressive performances in the TV show The Match. Alton also went on to present the National Lottery Show, Red Alert with Lulu, as well as hosting The Joy of Text alongside Ulrika Johnson. He's also presented his own show on Capital Radio. Terry is also an actor and has had roles in EastEnders as the third Mitchell brother, I'm told. (laughs) (laughs) No, Terry's dragon, but was also in London's Burning. Terry Alderton, I hope that intro was enough to befit a man of such great talents. How are you doing today, sir? I'm very, very well now. I've just realised what a terrible career I've had. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but no, I'm good, Johnny. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Fantastic. And you're not not alone. You come here as part of a very, very prolific duo. We're also joined by Jonathan Pearce, an English football commentator for the BBC and BBC and BT Sport, I should say. Jonathan has previously worked for Capital Gold, Five Live, Channel 5, Sky Sports, to name just a few. Uh, You've also been a part of BBC's iconic Match of the Day shows, commentary team since 2004. Between 1998 and 2004, Jonathan commentated on the Robot Wars TV series as well on BBC Two. Um, And uh, also uh, reprised uh, for the rebooted 2016 series. And you're a long-term Bristol City fan. Jonathan, again, I hope that intro uh, you found acceptable. How are you? And welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much for having me, Johnny. Yeah, that just suits uh, my career, really. That you know, I went from uh, being smashed and bashed as a young Bristol City supporter on away trips uh, to being involved with them as a football club, and then smashing and bashing and crashing with Robot Wars, which I absolutely love. That went worldwide. That was a phenomenon that surprised everyone, I think, including my bank manager, <laughs> 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 closing on my mortgage. <laughs> 
I love that. I love that. Um, so, uh, right, we'll just fire straight in. Obviously, um, neither of you are Arsenal fans, but you both, um, respectively, Bristol City fan and South End fan, you follow teams in the lower leagues. Um, first of all, what what is it? I want to ask you both this and and get both of your uh, ideas on this. What what is it that you feel makes lower league football? so special in comparison to Premier League elite football kind of thing. What is it that those clubs and those teams and those games have that Premier League football doesn't have? Uh, I think for me, um, I think there's a bit more honesty in it, uh, in the fact that there's not so much of that rolling around nonsense. Um, Of course, the skill isn't there and the the speed isn't there and the pace and all that kind of thing. But I think it's more of an honesty thing. I also love the fact for me personally uh, this is going to sound weird, but I like being a part of a smaller crowd. I feel like I'm part of something. I'm part of the South End thing than being part of, like, say, a Man United Arsenal. Of course, we're on an Arsenal podcast. You're, you're part of a mass, you know. So as much as that may sound a bit weird, I quite like feeling a bit special that I can get to the players. Does that make sense? And I could even have a beer with them in the, in the bar, that kind of thing. So for me, lower league football was always been for me. I mean, of course, I... I've been to a lot of Premier League games, of course. I've, in fact, I used to host at the old uh, hybrid stadium. I used to host the uh, the the function room, and uh, funny enough, I had to stop hosting it because I was missing South End games. And the guy that used to book me there, Les, he couldn't believe that I didn't want to come to Arsenal anymore because uh, I was missing South End games. <laughs> but, you know, it's my team, isn't it? So you know, as much as I used to love doing the lounge, it was brilliant. I mean, because I do the man of the match and all that, you know, my favourite one being was uh, Neville Southall, who came in, he was man of the match for Everton when they played, they must have beaten you, I suppose, but, and he came in and he, he had, they gave him a little award and there's all the people that paid fortunes for dinner and I, and I just went, Neville, what, what do you think? You know, well, I'm man of the match and he went, yeah, and he just walked off. <laughs> just went, yeah, and walked off. I was like, and I'd already heard that he was a bit of a strange lad. So that, that really confirmed it. So, yeah, that's, for me, being a, a lower league fan is because really more than anything, I like being part of the, the thing. I know you guys are as well, but with the lower leagues, I am, you know, sitting under a shed where I might get dripped on when it rains. So. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't get to see Bristol City very often these days, hardly at all, because I'm obviously working uh, at the weekends or when they play midweek games in the, in the Champions League. I'm involved in, in the Championship. Sorry, I'm involved with the Champions League. So I don't get to see them. But I'll, I'll just tell you something that binds it all together for me. Um, back in February this year, Bristol City had an anniversary for what was called the Ashton Gate 8, eight players who tore their contracts up um, in 1982 to save the football club from going out of business. They were never really properly recompensed. And finally, the football club um, organised a dinner for them. And, and I was invited down. And the players who'd known me because um, I've been involved with the club since I was 12 years of age. Uh, I trained with them uh, briefly when I was a kid, broke my leg, but then I carried on working with the club because my dad was a, a work for the manager, Alan Dix, and we used to videotape the games for an analytical purposes. It was the first football club in Europe to do that. And then I went, they got me my first job in radio. So that was my connection um, enhanced with Bristol City. But when I went back down for that weekend and we went to the training ground and then we went to Ashton Gate to see a game against Middlesbrough, People came up to me in the stands and said, oh, can you remember me? I, I used to stand next to you and your dad at the opening back in 1967, 68, 69, round about there. Oh, do you remember me? I used to sit in the Dolman stand when the Dolman stand was first opened. We had the first season tickets. Remember that? And that's it for me. That's You can go back to these clubs and the same supporters are there. Hmm. 
same supporters who've seen that football club go up to the top flight in 76 and six years later, 92nd in the Football League, and then hover around, go back up to the champ, stay in the championship, cut runs, disappointment, hell and high water, and they're still there. And the players, you know, I, lo I love those players from that, that period. They treated me as if I played 500 first team games. I never got near to one. And, um, and, and just that whole togetherness, that belonging that a football club down at that level can give you beyond just celebrating points that take you to a Champions League place. That whole camaraderie and, and the fact that that football club means so much to that community. And, um, you know, it, it, Bristol's a strange place. They say it's the biggest village in the country. And uh, it is a little bit like that. And, um I just, uh, Johnny, I just, just think it's, it's that really, it's that whole romantic mm. shtick that you get from being attached to a, a football club that doesn't get its Johnny-come-latenies, it doesn't get its bandwagon riders, it gets people who love the club and it's in their blood. Yeah, um, they're, they're, those those are poetic answers. I love them, guys. I really do. And I think you've really encapsulated what it means to be a fan of a lower league side. Jonathan, specifically with regards to your career, your a distinguished career in football commentary, one of our listeners, actually, Will Mer Merklock, shout out to you, reached out on Twitter and was asking uh, about your memories of working at Capital Gold. He said uh, himself that he it was at a time when football coverage was very thin on the ground. And he said that your football commentary was so enthusiastic that it actually felt better than watching um, anything on TV. Um, yeah, just your memories of working at that stage before, you know, we have this wall-to-wall -wall coverage of Premier League, etc. Uh, um, so, yeah, your memories of your time at Capital Gold. <laughs> What is she doing? There is someone in the background. Do of I want video right now? I mean, what is she doing? We're, I've told her. Look at her. Right. There's no point. In trying, what are you trying to hide for? We can see you. We can see you now. We can see you. What are you doing? Whoever's what listening doing? to the podcast right now, you're missing out because there is a whole scene unf unfolding on the right, visuals. We, all we want is a really r random piece of guitar <laughs> music now. Be and very the, careful what you be very careful the, what you take out of those drawers in that exactly. wardrobe. By the way, what are you doing? You might as well just stand up. Everyone can see you. You're on to well, about thirty-five thousand. What's electrical device being pulled out of the drawers there? Did you know what she just said? She just said, "What? Well, <laughs> shut up!" Looking like this. But when you call across, we're going to see you in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. You. This is what. We, what are you doing? This is all staying doing? in anyway. It's great value. But John, no, so Jonathan, it. this is my wife Dee. She's, <laughs> she's a former pastry girl. Dee <laughs> Ivan. There you go. From many fantastic, years ago. fantastic. Okay, there you go. That's when pastry was allowed. Now it's <laughs> are you still hiding? Just uh, right. I'll, I'll go to. We'll now go to you, Jonathan, with um your yeah. your, your faults of Capital Gold. Well, I started commentating. Uh, playing Sabucho, um up in the attic. Um, and uh, I used to get very passionate because I used to win all the Sabucho games uh, because I was playing against myself. And so the commentary got very excited because I used to win about 11-0 against myself. I had a very sad <laughs> teenage upbringing. And uh, anyway, and then I went to work for Radio Bristol covering Bristol City matches. So very excited, very biased. And uh, eventually ended up, long story, ended up in London at a fantastic... Um, 
uh, head of program in there at, at Capital Gold is a big football fan called Richard Park. Very difficult man to work for. Very demanding man to didn't work like for. Me, very brilliant like man. Me, didn't very like brilliant me. man to work for. And 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 we just came up with this idea that um, football fans, though there was commentary, it was very staid. Uh, Arsenal won. Uh, Crystal Palace mm. nil, and they've scored a header at the far post by uh, Blogs A. And uh, we thought that's not really. They want to hear. They want to hear people more like themselves. So we should have done it in Scotland with Radio Clyde. And and he didn't want me really for the job, first of all. Um, it's, there's a little story in that. He wanted Jim Rosenthal, I think, to do it. And Jim couldn't do it. So I came in as um, set the stuff up at Capital. I'd, I'd done it at another station beforehand, set the whole sports thing up. We contacted the clubs. They were a little bit alien, a little bit strange. They didn't know why we wanted to do it. The first club who greeted Capital Gold warmly was Arsenal Football Club, a man called David Dean, who was visionary, could mm. see where this was going. Um, and he he embraced the whole situation. So did West Ham United, uh, Ken Bates at Chelsea. But Arsenal were the first, actually, Tottenham. And, and we had that little um, cachet of clubs. And we paid them. It's a long time ago. I'm not, we paid £30,000 a year for if there were six London clubs in the Premier League, it was split between the six. If there were 10, it was split between the 10. The fee didn't change. Um, and that's how much it was in those days. And and we just wanted to mirror the passion of the London football fans, who I don't think were very well represented on broad, in broadcasting at the time. And that's where it went, really. And we did the, you know, the first football phone-ins and got people involved. And it used to be Saturday between three uh, or 10 to three, I think we came on to five. That's how it started off that first season, uh, 88, 89. And then, and then before very long, we were doing, we were doing every night of the week from six to 10, the Saturday program extended through two till seven. Um, and we were picking up Sony awards and left, right and center. It was a wonderful time. And do you know what we did, Johnny? Do you know what we did in all that time? And 15 years I was at Capital. Do you know what we did? We laughed. Mm. We laughed every minute of every day. We worked 16 hour days every day of the week, virtually with my, my little team. And, um, and we laughed. We had such a great time. We, we, it was classic cliche, lived hard, played hard, worked hard. And, uh, and it was brilliant. And uh, I've never had such a laugh in my entire career. You're not allowed to laugh now in broadcasting. You're not allowed to be like that. Everything's deadly serious. And football's deadly serious. And also, Jonathan, tell Johnny about the people who you uh, co-commentated with. I mean, this it gets better. Because I just let you know quickly, I came on. In, this is how Jonathan and I know each other. We, I came in and, and I Jonathan kind of gave me a radio. I had a football show on, on, on Capital. But the cast that he used to go out on the road with you know, co-commentating. Yeah, we, we had, uh, the first one was Malcolm McDonald, Super Mac, um, got him on board because the first time I went to Highbury was 76, opening day of the season. His debut just signed for 333,000, 333 pounds and 33 pence. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and, uh, something like that. And he was some silly fee and Terry knew was the manager. And Bristol City went there and won 1-0 with one of my heroes, Paul Cheesy, scoring the opening goal of the, 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 the opening goal of the season, their first goal in the top flight for over 60 years. And, but I liked Max, Supermax's attitude that day and briefly met him afterwards. So he came in as our first pundit on Capital Gold um, and was followed by the immortal Bobby Moore, who yeah. was um, 
cruelly treated by the FA and the government after his football career finished. He, he was travelled the world with me. He was treated princes and paupers like one of the best human beings I've ever met. Terry Neal, sadly passed recently, yeah. a former Arsenal player and manager. People like this, you know, Frank McClintock, Arsenal legendary captain, yeah. um, worked with us. And, and and there were a great many others, Billy Bonds, Billy Bonds. Tony Gale, yeah. West Ham Connection, Billy Bonds, straight as a die. You know, I'm lucky enough to work with so many great people on the on that radio station and and the other thing is johnny it was the first radio station really of its type to throughout its airwaves and its programming to support what we were doing because it was a music station wasn't it capital the mm. music station and capital goal was set up with music djs of yesteryear uh blackburn mm. uh came tony blackburn and people kenny like that, you know, let, 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 yeah well, and i worked with them all kenny Everett, i worked with kenny Everett, i worked with chris tarrant mm. and do you mm. know what they did they supported the football. They got massively behind it. So when you're going, you know, you're going into Tarrant in the morning on Capital FM and he's supporting what you're doing and replaying the goals and and, and Mick Brown and they made records, you know, the records with the commentary on the back of the records. And it was just a fantastic place to be. And um, the, the football clubs treated us with great, um, great affection. I, I mean, imagine this today. I, we used to just go up to Coney and go in and interview the players. And George was really, George Graham was really welcoming as a manager. And we used to do the same down at West Ham, Chadwell Heath. You didn't have to make appointments. You didn't have to go through legions of press officers. The press officers were with you when you were asking the players the question, the managers the question. It was a different, different world. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know where that came from and how we'd managed to get that access. And I was talking to Johnny Lyle, the West Ham manager, and I asked him that question. Mm -hmm. How is it that you... And uh, Johnny Hollins, uh, another former Arsenal legend, of course, the Chelsea manager at the time. Why were you so welcoming? And uh, he he said, well, because of this. And he produced a letter of uh, an old letter of introduction uh, to these managers by Terry Cooper, who uh, who I'd known down at Bristol City when I was working on the radio down there when he was a Bristol City player after Leeds. And Terry had written this fantastic letter of introduction explaining who I was and what my background was in football and and that's why these managers treated us as they did and that's where I don't know that's where the link between the clubs and capital gold started I don't think we ever stitched anyone up I don't think we turned anyone over we were as supportive as we could be that doesn't mean we were just a um what you call it uh, a, 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 yeah, a voice a spokesperson yeah. for the clubs but um I think the affection came, the mutual affection for all those, for all those, not just the Arsenal. We were, everyone said we were Arsenal supporters. You know, I was an Arsenal fan, the Capital Gold. We did more Arsenal games in 88, 89, Johnny, because they played more games. They, they won the league and, and then, you know, they're into Europe and they're playing. And then in the early 90s, when Venice took over at Tottenham and they took them into Europe, we were doing more Tottenham games because they were playing more games. And that was always the, like, oh, now you're a Tottenham fan and oh, now you're mm. a Chelsea fan. But the, the truth is, my my heart belongs at Ashton Gate. <laughs> um, I do want to move on to modern Arsenal, but just you both raised a point there, which I think you know is an interesting one. Um, so just a kind of more short answer on this, but do you think that kind of modern football and the kind of coverage has become too sanitised now, and it is because it's just a, a multi-billion pound industry? People just want to put the product on on there with no extra kind of you know editorial. It's just a game. We don't need any anything else kind of polluting the waters. Do, do you think? I we've think 
gone too I, far away from. I think for me as a punter, Johnny, as a because I'm more of a punter than Jonathan on this. I I actually think there's I've got to a point where there's too much football for me now. Um, Jonathan and I were discussing this, and then you made a point, Jonathan, to me, didn't you, about international competitions that people haven't realised. And I'll lead 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 you into this, Jonathan, about how many competitions there are every year now. People don't realise how often football is on TV. Well, there's no close season anymore. There's there's always a competition, whether it's European Championship, World Cup, Nations Cup. It's just it's just wall to wall, twelve month football. Um, you know, the one season kicks off before the other ones ended. I was doing Europe Women's European Championship 2022, which is a 21 tournament. Um, you know, it was held back because of COVID. Nothing, no fault on the organisers for that. But it meant mm. there was another tournament, and, and so it goes on and on and on. That's just me. But the players think what they have to do, and then these yeah. clubs take them away for the lucrative friendlies. Um, in in terms of coverage, Johnny, it has changed unbelievably. But when I first started commentating on the television, there'd be four or five cameras. Now there's twelve. Everything's picked up. Um, you, you can't say anything without. People having a go at you because you've said this wrong, you've said that wrong. I'm not talking about players' names or misidentifying players, which any commentator can do. Um, but it's it's what you can and can't say. And and because of social media, you're hammered. You you you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And you've got to be you've got to have a very strong pair of shoulders and and you've got to front it up and brass it out and and and, and go, I don't care what they say. I don't do Twitter. I don't care. I don't care. People want to have a go. The only people that I need to uh, satisfy are my, myself, my friends, my family and my bosses. And so far, I've been incredibly lucky that in 42 years talk, doing this job, just talking bollocks about football, <laughs> they still want to employ me. <laughs> but it, it, it is a lot. There is a lot. What do you think, Johnny? Do you think it's too saturated? Um, I, I do. I, I completely get what you mean. Um, it, but, you know, and part of it... Back in the day when I was younger, it used to all be about waiting through that whole Saturday so we could watch match of the day, get our first access to watching the games. Mm. Now you're watching stuff on your phone, goals going in. Yeah, QR code. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can just watch. So, But mm. now it's just meant that I have turned to focus a lot more on my actual club rather than I used to find myself watching games. Oh, yeah, you know, Burnley Watford's on. Go on, I'll watch that. I'm not doing that anymore. You know, mm. not least I've got children now. Um, and who wants to watch Burnley Watford at the end of the day? But with Jonathan, you get paid for it. It's fine. But uh, other than me, I didn't want to. But, um, you know, either way, I do think there is a lot of football. But if anything, it's, it's channeled me further into my actual love, uh, my first love in football, which is Arsenal. Yeah. And if we move on to Arsenal... Can I ask you? I mean, we're really a, a club in focus right now. Mm. Three games played, top of the league, nine points. What have you both made of Arsenal's start to the season? And well, I think, I, I, dare I, I'm going to say that T word. I think I'm going to say the T word. Okay. The, I'll just think, you know what I'm on about. So the T yeah. word. Um, I think it's it could be the first time in, in probably my lifetime that it could be between the two of you. I mean, I know I could be going too far here. But you see, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to turn on its head. I think Newcastle. Wait, the way it started, Newcastle are looking good. Palace are looking strong. Uh, there's another Arsenal connection. But I, I think it would be really quite nice if it actually is two London clubs going at it, and it's you and the and the and the T birds. You know. Oh well, yeah. Well, it'd be it'd be better if we run away of it. But I do get what you mean, and it does look ominous. Yeah. But um, they are looking I, strong. Well, start. Let's see. Oh, where's Jonathan gone? Oh, yeah. He's he's frozen. Yeah, he has. He's turned into a computer signal, which means that 
We oh no, he's back. Um, a strong start by oh, pick up, pick up, pick it up, start again. Oh no! So Terry, we may yeah. move back to you while we get yeah, that's right. Jonathan I'll, back. I'll, I'll cover. Uh, yeah, I, I so it's just interesting. It, it seems to me what what I notice about City, Man City, um, is I, I discovered. Just one day watching them, I said to my my son Bo, I said, "Do you know what? It's like Man City don't need a striker. It, they they're just shooting from everywhere, and it seems that it it may be kind of kind of a a fashion that's happened between you and the T Birds um, seem to be able to score from everywhere now, you know. And and I do believe that I reckon that uh, Gabriel Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> right? Yeah." Um, I think that could be possibly one of the greatest signings of 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 the of the decade. Um, it's it's a brilliant piece of business. Arteta obviously knows him inside out. He obviously knows his personality. It takes a great manager to manage men together to make a team. And I think you know that's what's come together. And then with with your boy up top as well. Um, who's the who's the pretty blonde kid up front? What's his name? Uh, Erdegaard, you mean? Yeah, Erdegaard. With them two together, the way it looks like that, just though that pairing alone is is something else. I think it's taken a bit of sieving out, really, over the last sort of maybe because last year, beginning of last year, for me, I was like straight away Arteta's uh, sack race champion at this moment in time. You know the way it was started for you, but ironically, or should I say coincidentally, and this could be an omen here. That's how Fergie started, if you remember. You know he yeah. was right on the back foot. Right, right on the back foot, and and then they were going to get relegated, and then then look, I think Arteta could be that. Also, of course, there could be the Vieira argument that he comes in at some point. But as it stands, it looks pretty good to me. But let's ask an expert. What <laughs> I'm back, Jonathan. Back to you. Yeah, we got you. Um, we got you. I tell you, a major difference is Saliba. I've seen him commentate for BT for the last couple of years out back on loan in France. Watched him grow. Watched him grows a centre-half from being a little bit unsteady, a little bit shaky, a little bit nervy. And uh, I think he, he'll make a big difference to them this season, the way that Odegaard's developed. I couldn't see it when I first when he first came. I couldn't see what he was. I couldn't see how he'd improve them and the way he's developed. Gabriel Jesus work his socks off. You know, they yes, Lacazette was there and and, and played his part and, and scored his goals, but too many games where he lacked sufficient effort. Mm. And, and uh, um, Aubameyang... The same thing, especially with what went poisonous with his relationship with the club later on. But yeah. you're not going to get this with this fella, Gabriel Jesus. Pep Guardiola used to tell me when I interviewed him uh, about this fella that he, he's one of the most deserving players there is in in his work ethic. And I think it'll make a massive difference. The kids are still there, but there was too much burden on the kids last season. Um, and they were playing too many games. And uh, you could see the burnout in them. I think, I think it's a good a feel-good story about Arsenal mm-hmm. um, I think people shouldn't get, get carried away um, because there's a long 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 way to go and they've got a, they've got to do better in the big six games their record in the big six games as you know as an Arsenal fan is too poor especially away from home it's it's awful and uh, if they if they can dramatically change those clashes against the big six then they've got a real real opportunity for me this season of finishing in the top three. 
Well, the thing is, the big six, as you say, the, at the moment, though, is that Man United, I imagine you're lumping in that big six. And at the moment, they're in the they're in the big bottom six, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they're I mean, they're the bottom, they, they are the bottom. I mean, until until tonight, of course, which when it was going out, it was Liverpool versus Manchester United this evening. I mean, I mean, they both could still I mean, if they draw tonight. They're still both down the bottom. That's hilarious. Oh, I love it, and and to be honest, I take a lot of glee in um, Man United's misery. They have they have looked scornfully at Arsenal in recent years. How they've just signed big players on big contracts, and you know, never been able to start challenging for those big trophies that they want, but kind of kept themselves above water more so than Arsenal. But now the rules the the roles have reversed completely, and we suddenly look like a very well run club. We have a clear identity when it comes to identification of players and, and profiles of players that we want to uh, attract and bring to the club, but also a playing style that finally has started to come through and bear fruit on the pitch mm. uh, with Arteta's plans, being able to be there for the fans to see. And I think it's really helped with that connection with the fans uh, and their buying in to the overall plans. Do, do you get that as well from you, uh, in terms of the way you both observe Arsenal these days that, Arteta, in terms of his managerial career, is starting to come into his own. I think he's he's been around two of the greatest uh, managers and has served loyally under those managers, and I think that's going to come through. I think Jonathan's probably better and more um, qualified to answer this question. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he learned when he was an Arsenal player under Wenger. He learned when he was working with Pep Guardiola, and he, he's admitted that he's taken all the influences on board. And I think he's probably learned from his mistakes, um, and probably learned better how to deal with footballers as men um, than he than he did last season. You know, there have been mistakes under under him at Arsenal, and again, you have to look back at that whole Pierre Emerick Aubameyang saga, which was unseemly because he's a, he's a terrific player and it ended very sadly well what exactly um, happened there sorry can i be really thick now i know all the arsenal guys know what was the actual i know he was he was a bit of a poisonous situation like uh pogba at uh at man united but was he above his station or something or was it just a clash between management well, you, and johnny would know more than us because he's closer to what, us what, what happened, yeah so, so what what actually played out, first of all, All or Nothing, uh, the docuseries on Amazon has, has shone a light on the situation. And part of it was, I don't think anyone is saying that uh, Aubameyang is some nasty bloke or, no. you know, too out of control. The main the main thing is tardiness, a lack of professionalism, ultimately it comes uh, down to. He would go away on, you know, authorised trips to see his mum in another country, return late, not even being in the country when he was being told to. He was the captain of the club, turning up late for meetings. The way he was playing on the pitch was there for all the fans to see towards the end. It was a lack of effort. Um, sometimes he'd be running around, but other times he just looked disinterested, didn't mm. look like he was bought into the project and was completely sending out the wrong message to, you know, because of the way that our team is structured and we've got such an uh, impetus on youth in our current setup, it would be completely wrong to have kept rewarding or or you know tacitly endorsing Aubameyang's mm. behaviour with these guys you know looking up to him as right, being a talisman. Right. So eventually yeah. Arteta called it a day with him and said that's enough. He was yeah. late one too many times, stripped of the captaincy, and then I think ultimately there may have been some words that were said that meant that there was no way back at the end of it. So is it role, the the role model thing was more important to Arsenal, of course, at that time. But as you say, with young people and him being late and whatever, he's not going to not really be the Arsenal way. 
the other thing is we don't know what's going on in people's lives, do we? You know, it's a lot of pressure in football. Like you say, there's no one saying that he's a nasty, horrible man. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And we discussed, you know, at times uh, the issue around mental health. It, you know, mm, I think his mum mm, was mm. particularly ill at that time. Mm. And again, everyone f- sees the Lamborghinis and sees, Correct. you know, the the big bank balance and think that life's perfect. And it is important to remember that these footballers are, are well. It, it, Johnny, humans. it's always the thing, isn't it, when someone goes on about someone being worth millions, and then there's always that question: but is he or she happy? You know. Exactly. Are they happy? Exactly. You know, yeah. I'll ask you, Tell. You're worth millions, aren't I'm you? Worth, and... uh, mate, I'm a multi, multi millionaire. I'm, <laughs> I'm, worth, I'm worth, oh my God, the money I've got. You wouldn't believe it. Your wife was just trying to find it in the drawers earlier. <laughs> yeah, right. She was looking for the cash that we hide. Yeah. <laughs> one, one thing I will, one thing I will say, yeah. Oh, I'm loaded. Cake time. So, so rich. I've still got to go and do gigs for 120 quid. <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing I will say um, uh, on, on this criticism of players, though, and Aubameyang was criticised, and I, I abhor any racist comments. I abhor any comments that you know you, you, you i want to kill you you've got to die i hope your family die, and all this sort of not horrible horrible barb vile poisonous social media attack so i am totally totally against all that and always have been all my life that sort of criticism but mm. players have to expect criticism of their performances because they're performers and they are paid to perform and if they don't perform they have to expect criticism from the paying public who pay to see them perform and there are a number of footballers who in recent years don't seem to understand that. Or why are they on my back? Because, you, because you're a striker and you haven't scored for 72 years. That's why they're on your back. <laughs> yeah, and the other but thing is... respect it. Why have they Jonathan. got the right to feel out, outraged about everything? Yes, feel outraged about horrible abuse, poisonous abuse. And especially mm. if, the, if, if, if there is a period in your life where you're suffering from mental problems. I totally understand all that. But at other times, you have to stand up and, and, and be bold and accept it. Yeah, well, the other thing is people are paying a lot of money to go and watch that team as well. And if you're putting in, you know, if the player, the fans know you're on 50000 a week and, and he's earning, she's earning, I don't know, maybe 25, 15000 a year. And you're, and you're putting in a shift, getting to the games, and you've gone all the way up to sort of, I don't know, Sunderland for a cup match because you love Arsenal so much. And you're just gonna sort of walk around, and then uh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get on Twitter and go, "What are you doing? I'm, I've just 100%. done a massive journey." And, I would and say one of the differences, between... sorry, Johnny. Sorry. I was just gonna say, I would say it it goes to managers as well. And I've I often hear people saying, you know, with regards to managers, it's like, you know, you might get Gary Neville's out here and stuff saying, "I'm not gonna call for a manager to be sacked and stuff." Like, you know, it's their job, and it's like, well, first of all. They are in a, a, a severely performance-related profession. Mm. You know, it, it's not like you're serving up fries at McDonald's here where you can have an off day. At the end of the day, you're getting paid a huge amount of money to do well. And so for me, I don't like the idea of people being unemployed. But if you work in this profession, and which is why you're remunerated to such a high level, if you're not delivering, people can question whether you're the right man to be in a job. And, and I'm completely on board with what Jonathan said. You should expect professionalism as long as it's not character assassination or, mm-hmm. you know, like you say, uh, 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 discriminatory. All on board. Deliver on the pitch or you open yourselves up for it. And if you don't like it, then hand your 350 grand a week back in. 
Well, we get it though, Johnny and I. You know, we go on a stage, you know, and and you you get people. I mean, for, fortunately, not that not that often, but you know, people might watch you do comedy and then give you a right hard time after you've only got up to try and make people laugh. You oh, know, but but we we can't hide when we go on stage, Johnny and I. Every second of every second of every second, it, you, we can't hide. You know, it's it's. Well, I have to, I have, no, I have to tell you at this point, Johnny, and the same as you when you're commentating. Yeah, I have to tell you at this point that I travel all over the world to see uh, Terry Alderton perform. I would travel all over the world <laughs> because I've known him for so very long. And I am that man. I am that heckler. I am that man that gives him abuse. Constantly. You rubbish. Get off. <laughs> Get off, rubbish. That's brilliant. Um, I will, we are coming towards the end anyway of this uh, little exclusive, but you both touched at having some level of, you know, uh, at previous times, level of exclusive access to Arsenal. Obviously, Jonathan mm. um, being working in commentary, but Terry working behind the scenes. Yeah. I would both probe you individually for an experience in relation to Arsenal. If it's funny, that would be amazing. But a memorable moment of when you've had access to Arsenal, maybe a great team, great players, or something that showed you what it means to be Arsenal, if you like. Some, some, an uh, Arsenal-related anecdote. Uh, I know, but I've flipping completely forgotten. He's like, uh, you know, getting to my age, I forget names. Charlie. Who was the Charlie? No, Charlie Nicholas. Finger. That, lost his finger in the lawnmower. You know, double-scoring, double goal-scoring Charlie. Who scored the double-winning goals back in the uh, 80s? Charlie yeah. George. Charlie George! Charlie George, what a nice man. So Charlie George, he used to do the lounges with me. Lovely human being, that man. Uh, yeah. uh, honestly, a lovely down-to-earth human being. And uh, I was uh, I was at the Arsenal one day hosting the, uh, the the lunches, as I told you. So I'd go out at the top and do a little bit of stuff and have a bit of a laugh. Not, not a comedy set, but just have a bit of a joke, right? And uh, something had happened. Something, someone had said something, and something had happened. And I went, "Well, that's an e or e or moment, isn't it?" <laughs> right, Tony Adams, all that kind of thing. And there's a bit of a laugh, and and <laughs> Charlie's looking at me, going, "I'm going what?" He's going, and I, anyway, we finished this whole sort of section. Everyone goes out to the game. And there's a big man, right? There's a big fella standing there waiting for me, right? And Charlie went, "Oh, you better go over and see him." And I went, "What?" He went, "That's Tony's dad." <laughs> and his dad was a big fella sadly passed now but um, I remember him giving me a, 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 a friendly chat in the, you know <laughs> you shouldn't you shouldn't be dissing players when you're doing your bit and I was like oh, oh, okay sorry I didn't mean it I wasn't being nasty at Tony Adams I flipping love Tony Adams do you know what I mean but mm -hmm. it was like ooh, ooh. but it was just watching Charlie going he would have gone like Shh, with his finger if he had had one but he he uh, so that Tony Adams' dad showed you the knuckle duster, did he? And he then did. You... So that, and of course, the whole Adamses and all that. And I'm thinking they can't be. They can't be joining. <laughs> so that that was my. That was my. That was. And that was. And the old Highbury and the old dressing rooms as well. Highbury, beautiful. I mean, beautiful. That that stadium's a shame that I had to go to that place. Beautiful, oh, yeah, beautiful place. I've got. I've got three, if I may. Um, the the one would be. It, it, the the one would be eighty eight eighty nine. The following year, they the celebration for the league title was delayed, and they had it in the uh, Hilton at Swiss Cottage, and uh, I was invited along. And there was a little there was a players' bar, if you like, off to one side, and they were drinkers, as you know, at that time. <laughs> um, they could drink for England, Scotland, Wales, and the Ireland. And uh, 
But I was invited into that inner sanctum, so I had the night with the players, and it was wonderful. And uh, an unnamed player who was at his first England call-up uh, and was due to go to Bisham Abbey the following morning, at around about six o'clock in the morning, uh, big Stevie Bold and I kicked this character into a taxi and told the taxi <laughs> to take him to Bisham Abbey. I won't mention his name, um, but he was a bit uh, nutty. And, um, and uh, anyway, that was one. Another one would be... Um, when Capital uh, did the agreement with um, Arsenal, the first agreement, and went there with Richard Park, who was the programme controller, and David Dean met us, and we had the, 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 the meeting down in the tunnel area, and Richard wanted to have it down in the tunnel area at Highbury. Couldn't understand why. And all of a sudden, I'm there stood with David Dean, and Richard Park comes running past us, bouncing a ball, took the ball Michael Knighton style out onto the pitch and ran down towards the clock end and scored a goal and shouted, uh, you know, Arsenal sing songs. He was an Arsenal fan, but David Dean looked at me as if to say, what's this all about? Who's this crazy man? And I said, uh, where well, just shows his, I was trying to cover up for him. You know, I didn't know what the hell he was doing. I said, just shows he's uh, massively passionate for football. And he said, that'll do for me. We'll get into bed with Capital Gold. And, and that's what happened there and then. And the last one for me, which sums the man up, um, we did a program on Capital Gold, which was sponsored by the mobile phone company, One to One. And uh, we, we imaginatively called this series... Uh, one-to-one it was me interviewing one person and it was sponsored by this company i thought i thought long and hard about the name of the program (laughs) a second later i come up with the name and uh anyway it was an hour one hour program and i went up to coney and uh, london coney training ground and it had been set up with the um, press officer at the time but they hadn't really told arson what it was about so i've gone in and i said arson i'm here to do one-to-one he said oh yes yes and i said um do you know what this is about no and uh, it's it's a it's a one hour program where I sit with you for an hour and talk about things, but not football, not not groin strains, not not Saturday's game, not not not, not the need for three points. An hour, yes. <laughs> this, this, this this is not possible. I would give you five minutes, five minutes. Anyway, sat down, opened the microphone up. An hour and a half later, we're still recording. Ah, wonderful. We yeah. talk we talk geopolitics. We talked battle against racism we talk power of tv we talk this and this and this and this and this and when i say we talked he talked and i listened and the man was brilliant can you get any of that anywhere jonathan is it anywhere Um, is it on youtube or anything can anyone listen to that i'd love to listen to that i don't know it'd be out there somewhere capital capital have got a warehouse somewhere out in Middlesex, I, I was told where everything's still there. All the tapes. Wow. We we taped everything. Every goal, every every interview that we did was recorded. Uh, we used to do reviews of the year. Uh, everything. It's all it's all there, and it's on big reel to reel tape somewhere. I, I'm told. It, I hope it still exists. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be awful if it didn't? Mm. That whole era was just gone. Yeah, That'd be awful. You need someone to sit down for a few hours and digitalize it all. Yeah, yeah, Johnny, yeah. You, Johnny, you go out and do it. Yeah, no, Johnny, no, I will do. It. Go and get the gold. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I, yeah. I, to be honest, I uh, uh, that was fascinating. They, they for a long time um, in football, people talked about Fergie time being different um, to to how we all experience time, and now you've illuminated us to the fact that Arsene Wenger had his own time scale as well, <laughs> and five minutes was an hour and a half. So there yeah. you go. It's wonderful. We've learned something. Guys, you are amazing. You're a wonderful uh, duo. You complement each other so well. 
And for our listeners who are listening to this and, and would have enjoyed and want to see more of Terry's wife coming in, rooting around for things <laughs> to draw, uh, and Jonathan's wonderful uh, memories, where can people listen to more of you? We've got a podcast. It's called JP&T, The Football Friendly. And it's just a bunch of fun where we talk. We're going to go out and have meals out and JP&T, the football friendly at lunch, where basically mm. we're just going to get drunk and talk about football and stories and, and memories. And it's it's great fun, isn't it, Terry? I love doing it. I, I really but, enjoy it. And, and where can they get it, Terry? They can get it on all. Uh, you can get it all on all the uh, all the all the usual places. Uh, you can get your podcasts uh, on your smart speakers and your smartphones. Um, we the other thing we do, Johnny. What we do do is uh, Jonathan brings a guest each week from the world of football, and I bring someone from the world of showbiz. I.e., I had Bobby Davro last week, and he had Tony Pulis. This week, he had Clive Allen. I had some bloke called Johnny Cochran, who, uh, I don't know, did something with the OJ case. Let's get that gag out there again. So that's the idea. We we have someone from showbiz, someone from football, and we talk about football and, and a bit of showbiz. So it's um, it's good fun. It is good fun. And there's, and there's a lot of reminiscing. With Some of the players come up with some great stories. We had Clive Allen on today, as you know, Johnny, because you came on with us, uh, talking about when he was a an NFL player, which I, I completely have forgotten about. So there's... There's all these nice little swerve balls. And we're on Twitter as well at JPNT Football. If you just put Jonathan Pearson Football in your podcast, right, because you'll remember his name over my name, we'll pop up somewhere. Oh, we will link that to um, the social Thank media posts that will be out there. Um, it's been wonderful talking to you both. Before I let you both Thanks, go Charlie. as well, final prediction on where you think Arsenal will finish in this league season. Terry, to you first. Definitely, uh, the direct. Well, you know, as a South End fan, it always makes me laugh. But the dreaded top four, you know, if that could be dreaded, you know, you want to be playing fourth? flipping Maidstone next week. But anyway, uh, <laughs> is it all for you going for specifically? I, 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 it's hard to say. Man City's quality of it's not just their squad; it's the quality of their squad. You know, you you lose a couple of players. You know, Tottenham lose a couple of players. Man City can lose a flipping whole team. You know, so I, I, you, you're going to be. I, I'll go. I'll go third. I'll nice. go third. I'll take that. I'll take that, Jonathan. I know you said if all things go well, we might be knocking on top three. But if I dig down and ask for a specific prediction for a placement, where would you? Where would you have Arsenal? Well, the, the first thing I'd say is the World Cup will play a massive role in Correct. what happens to any club this Correct. season. And it would be totally disruptive and shouldn't be where it is. Uh, and it's awful. That's a subject for another programme, another six hours. Um, but um, <laughs> I think Arsenal will win something this season. I think they'll win a trophy. I think the fans will have a Wembley day, uh, which I think will be brilliant for Arteta and the team. And I don't think top three is beyond them. I seriously don't think it's beyond mm. them. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that is going to be music to the ears of our listeners. Uh, again, reminder, guys, you can listen to the JPNT podcast. Is, there, is it out weekly? The Mondays. Mondays. There you go. And some specials. Uh, and some specials. But And some specials. There you go. All that is left for me to do is to thank you both for uh, being on the podcast. And I will say ciao for now. Ciao, ciao, Johnny. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.